conversations and connections. They're vital to you both personally and professionally. They're important to your sales and marketing, to your business, to your brand. But really great conversations, if you think about it, are deeply personal. They require an investment of time, a whole lot of listening, and quite a bit of relationship building. They require a lot of effort. And if they're going to be meaningful to the other person, great conversations and connections require a lot of introspection and ongoing improvement on your part. So how in the world do you scale a great conversation? How do you form deep, meaningful connections with people in mass? I mean, you can probably guess my answer. Podcasts. They certainly help, right? I'm Lindsay Chepkema, CEO and co-founder of Casted, the first and only podcasting platform made specifically for B2B marketers. And this is our podcast. When it comes to leveraging deep, meaningful conversations and connections as part of the sales and marketing process, Chad Sanderson is an expert. Literally. He's managing partner at Value Selling Associates. And perhaps more importantly for this show, he's also the host of the B2B Revenue Executive Experience podcast. Today, Chad is sharing the secret sauce behind the success of his show and perhaps even of his career. That is something that you can start applying in your own podcast right now. What is it? Feedback, introspection, continuous improvement. You see, Chad gets support from experts who know what they're doing and seeks feedback from them, from his guests and from his audience. And as you'll hear, it's paid off in dividends, not only for him personally, but also for his business. Hi, my name is Chad Anderson. I am a managing partner with Value Selling Associates, and we work with everyone along the revenue funnel to help them ensure that they are having conversations and understanding other people's perspectives. Love it. Thank you. So Chad, you have a podcast. The name of the podcast is? The B2B Revenue Executive Experience. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And my co-founder, one of my co-founders, Zachary Ballinger, and I were on your show. So now the the tables are, I guess, mics are turned. Um, (laughs) So thanks, thanks for that. And thanks for being on this show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I want to talk with you as you wear, you wear a lot of hats and you, you do a lot of things, but I want to speak to you right now as a podcaster. So tell me how and when your show and, and thus your debut into podcasting began. Where, what, was the, what was the very, very beginning? Yeah, it, it's a good it's a really good question, and it seems so long ago now. But when we, when I joined uh, Value Selling Associates, when when we started it, we basically are running our own P and L. So we have to build our own book of business. And as we looked at, um, you know, what was going to represent myself and my beliefs in the marketplace, give us content. And give us a way to provide value to other individuals. Um, we looked at a lot of different options, and really, I would love to say I had some <laughs> some overriding strategy behind doing the podcast, but it really came down to 
a time management issue. The, the thought really came up first was, look, I love having conversations with people. But as you're building a business, as, as you know, time is of the essence, right? And so I, don't, I wasn't going to be able to go to networking events as much. I wasn't going to be able to go to as many industry events. I still wanted a way to have a connection and, and conversations with people that actually were deeper than something that happens at a networking event, which is a lot of pleasantry and surface stuff. I wanted to go a little bit deeper. I love feeding my brain. I love other people's perspectives. And so as we were researching kind of all of this and I was being very judicious in my time, uh, we stumbled across, and I've always been a very large uh, listener of podcasts. It just never dawned on me (laughs) to start one. We actually stumbled across uh, James Cadbury uh, from Sweetfish Media and I had a conversation with him and he kind of planted the seed that, hey, you, you, know, you could really use this platform to do just what you're talking about, have conversations with, with people. And so after some, I don't, he probably was selling me and I didn't realize it, but, but at the time- <laughs> That's the best way of selling, right? It, it was. And, it, and it, was just a, it was just a genuine conversation. And I said, all right, well, what's involved in this? And it became this journey to- educate not only myself, but to also make sure we could start getting guests on and providing value to guests and building an audience. All of that stuff kind of came later. At first, it was like, hey, I've got a problem. I need content. I need to have conversations to keep myself uh, at my best. And I need to provide value to people. And this allowed us to do it. So it was, it was a whole bunch of things coming together at once in perfect timing from James Cadbury. So we've been doing the show now I think we're just coming up on year two, maybe a little longer. Um, and it has been an extremely uh, enjoyable ride and one hell of a learning experience. Absolutely. And so conversations, is, as you mentioned, are, are your natural, they're, they're your they're natural fit for you. But what has it been like having a podcast? conversation. Has that come naturally or has it been a learning curve? <laughs> no, there's definitely a learning curve. It's funny. Um, I'm not, I would never would have considered myself uh, someone who loves to get up on stage and, and do public speaking. Like it's just, I can do a lot of things. There's a lot, I've got a lot of talents, but getting in front of an audience, not necessarily something I ever sought out. And so when we had, when I had the first couple of conversations where we were kind of practicing out, it was awful. I mean, I go back and listen to some of those, and we didn't turn, we didn't even turn them into episodes. They were so bad. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but it was through that process of of self exploration and taking the feedback from people that were listening, or even the guests themselves, um, we figured out that what we needed to do for me and for the guests was provide a structure. It needed it needed to have a structure. It needed to have a flow. Um, it needed to be a very safe environment. It needed to be a place where perfect was not what we were after. We were more we were after more of the authentic side. Now, in order to get a guest to be comfortable, I had to get much more comfortable in front of this fuzzy mic in front of my face. And I had to get more comfortable with who I actually am and how I present myself um, and how I interact with with someone that most of the time I can't see, um, and so it was definitely a learning experience. I mean, it was never, and I and I still feel like even after two years, I may be much more comfortable in front of the mic. But it was definitely uh, a journey. Those first man, those first ten ten episodes or whatever, I, I cringe when I listen to them because I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that one again because there's so many other things I would have done. So how, what did that look like for you? I mean, did you, did you go back and listen? Was it feedback from others? How did you get better? 
Well, it, all of the above, right? So first and foremost, it was, I was, I always crave the feedback. Like I'm not, I don't take things personally. If somebody's like, Hey, you could have done this better or whatever. So the, the team at Sweetfish was great. They, they helped prep me to kind of push me off, you know, to, to do the first dive into the pool. And I didn't belly flop, but I didn't, you know, it was not Olympic grade. And so as I went through kind of the first couple, I'd actually, after we stopped recording, I'd ask the guest. This is well, how was that? Like, be honest, be brutally honest. Did, did, were you comfortable? What did you like? What did you not? So I, I had the opportunity to have that feedback from the Sweetfish Media crew, um, and then I had the, the the opportunity to have that from the guests. And then I, nobody's going to be a worse critic than me. And so I went back and listened. You know, I go back. I don't know once a quarter, and I pick a couple random episodes and I take notes on it. Like for example, right now, one of the things I am trying to overcome, <laughs> having a horrible time doing it, in any conversation that you have with somebody, they have transition words. They have words that they rely on as a. It's almost like a mental um, guidepost that that they'll use in a conversation. And so when I'm transitioning throughout the podcast, I don't know if the guests or I it notice it or if the audience notices it, but I sure as heck do. And and you'll hear me say, "Perfect" or. Excellent. And then that, those two words are my transition words. And I can't, I have not yet been able to smooth those out to, to do the transitions. They've, they're, they're in so many of the episodes. <laughs> I don't know why I missed it for so long. Yeah. No, I, and that's, that's so huge. And I, I think that a lot of podcast hosts don't seek out that feedback and don't get that self-reflective or that introspective <laughs> with their their work. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of, okay, that interview is done on to the next um, and not really getting back into it to one, get better or two, think about how to leverage that content. Like what was in that show? How should I use it? How can I, how, how should I be using that more than just hitting play, right? Or hitting publish, I should say. So I think that's huge. It, it was, it, it's a pro. It's a process, right? At the end of the day, I'm you. I've been guests on other podcasts. I've I've done interviews, and it's interesting now that I run a podcast. I look at those situations completely differently than I used to. So I know, um, I know that I need to bring a certain level of mindless and awareness to the moment that I'm in to really ensure that I'm not going through the motions. That I'm literally giving, like, I'm not thinking about anybody else. I'm not looking at, at other screens. I'm not texting somebody while I'm <laughs> trying to answer a question. Because if you listen, and I don't know how many people are actually listening to them that closely, but when I go back and listen to them, I can tell, I know when the host was, was looking at a, a Slack message that popped up yeah. on, the, on the screen or they're texting somebody. Um, and so I think that translates. And, and if somebody's going to, you know, do you the favor of giving you 15, 20, 30, 60 minutes of their time to listen, then I think it deserves and, and requires a level of focus. Now, podcasting is not big media, but I think the expectation from, um, you know, it's, it's, not like, it's not like we're doing MSNBC, CNN, or Fox News, right? So it's a podcast. <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, there is, I think, a certain level of, of, effort that should go into it um, to really make sure you're putting your best foot forward because it oftentimes will serve many purposes, right? We, we repurpose the content. We use it to fuel our, our marketing and things like that. 
But at the end of the day, it's that connection point where somebody can hear you and get a sense for the type of individual that you are that doesn't translate through a written word or is oftentimes actually easier to hear the truth of somebody than if you're watching a video because now you're trying to process audio and video at the same time. So it's, I just think something that you know, I, would, I would encourage everyone, take the time, see you know, how you can get better because at the end, your audience will appreciate it whether it's stated or not. And everybody has a choice every minute of every day, you know, on that commute, on the commute, during your workout, while you're doing whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to your podcast, you could also be listening to NPR or to some other podcast. And so if you, if you do think of it as, oh, well, no big deal if the sound, you know, to your point earlier, if the sound quality isn't great or, or this or that, you know, it's, it's okay. It's just a podcast. Then people, you're going to lose people, right? And I think everything that you're saying here is so imperative that you do have to think of it as how can I be better? Um, Just like written content. I mean, if if you're never going back and rereading or looking at the results or constantly trying to improve, you're not going to see the kind of results that you want. But it's the opportunity to, you know, really pay attention and then I have to ask myself, is this an episode I would actually listen to? Because again, right. time's the only asset we can't get back. So if I'm not being entertaining, if, I, if the audio quality is horrible, if the guest isn't, uh, let's say, you know, overly energetic or they're not expressive vocally, then I've got to make some moves to make sure we're, you know, do something to get to a topic or get to a subject that's going to make them comfortable or emote more. And that requires a level of vulnerability on my side that I don't think I was prepared for. I had the assumption that if, if all you hear is my voice, then I'm safe, right? right? right. So I don't, have, I don't have to open up as much. That is completely not the case. It actually is the opposite. It requires a higher level of energy and a higher level of focus to really capture somebody when all you have to do that with is the sound of your voice or the exchange you're having with another person. So it's a, it's a, long, it's a long journey. I'm, I'm a hell of a lot better than I used to be, but I'm nowhere near um, as polished or as um, good as I would like to be. So what... What advice now that you've, you're you're a couple of years into it, right? Um, yeah. What advice do you have for other people in your shoes? You know, rewind those couple of years who are thinking about starting a podcast or who might have one but can't relate to what you've experienced because they're like, man, this all we've seen is just difficulty, and we haven't really seen those results. Like, what would you say? So, so there's a couple of things. First and foremost, don't uh, get rid of the assumption that just doing the podcast and putting it out there is enough, right? There are thousands of podcasts out there. Uh, everybody's doing them, right? Even celebrities have started jumping on. This. We got Dax Shepard and I mean, even hell, even porn stars are doing them these days. I mean, so everybody's doing podcasts. The challenge is understand that first and foremost, just creating it isn't enough. You have to use it. It needs to be part of a well thought out and consistently executed campaign campaign 
Uh, it becomes the, the turkey leg, right? We're going to turkey leg the content. So there's one podcast can give you the blog post, the graphics. It can go into a LinkedIn post. It can go to social media in terms of tweets, right? You break it down. You have to be diligent in the way that you promote it and put it out, number one. But that also isn't the only way to use it. It needs to be weaponized in terms of your prospecting. And I don't mean to be non-PC, but if you're not leveraging it, either to share episodes that have something of value to somebody you're trying to start a relationship with or using it to get guests on that could at some point in the future convert into a customer or knows someone you want an introduction to, right? You're not leveraging the totality of what's possible with it. And this is where I see a lot of other podcasters that I talk to struggle. They record it, they put the video up on YouTube, and then they go, mm, uh, we've only got 150 views of that one, right? Yeah, this so isn't working. First and foremost, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's not working. And it's hard because the, the instinct is like, oh man, we just put this out. I'm going to go, I'm gonna, hey, I'm going to go every morning at 7 a.m. and check my downloads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't do that. That's soul crushing. Because especially in the beginning, don't even worry about the numbers. If you're doing a podcast just because you want to focus on the numbers, don't do a podcast. Mm-hmm. That isn't. Say that again. That is That's not so important to hear. If you're if you're doing a podcast just because you want to focus on the numbers, don't do the podcast. Mm-hmm. It isn't. That is not what the what you should be focused on. Yeah. It will do nothing but drive you insane, and it will feel like you're not making headway. Right. So. First, just don't do that. <laughs> I made that mistake. I made that mistake for the first three months. I'm like, what do you mean? We only have this many. Second thing to realize is podcasts are evergreen. They are always there. I mean, until you pull them off the lips and in them or whatever you're hosting it. And, then, and maybe then even somebody else has already downloaded it somewhere. So these things can live on forever. So you can't neglect the older episodes just because they're older. If they still have relevant content, put them into a a recycle campaign, put them into a campaign where you're you're pulling different tidbits out. What we'll do is we'll take an episode, like I'll pick, I don't know, four or five from the last six months that were really good, really impactful, um, and we'll recycle them. And then what we'll do is we'll, we'll put them up again, but we'll do a different, a blog post with a different perspective on it or graphics with a different you know, um, aim on them and we'll put them through different channels, right? Understand that continually you can recycle those things. And then as a result, you go back and look at episodes that we recorded two years ago and they now have the highest download numbers because they've been around the longest and we've put them through this, Mm -hmm. right? The third thing I would say is do not for a second believe you can do it alone. Um, I was lucky enough to have help, right? I, I, I got into this because of James Carberry and, and his company's good, right? I believe you guys even are working on a relationship with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're really good, but, but shit's not cheap. Let's just be honest, right? When we've all got to decide where we want to invest the dollars. So I, being perhaps overconfident, <laughs> said to myself, well, this can't be that hard. So... After the first few months to save money, I said, ah, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this. So I didn't do the math in my head, right? So I had to buy a mixer and then the mics and then, you know, all of that stuff that was higher end because I don't have the audio editing capability that they have. Mm -hmm. But then I taught myself how to use 
um, you know, several different audio editing platforms. And then it wasn't just about the prep for the podcast and recording the podcast. It became taking an hour and a half to tweak the audio and, and all of this. So now all of a sudden, my workload tripled uh, attempting to do it all on my own. And I lost that critical feedback point that was so helpful as I evolved. So I think I struggled through it for four months before I just raised my hand and said, to hell, I cannot do this. To hell. <laughs> I tapped out. I threw in the towel. And then I went back with my tail between my legs <laughs> and said, hey, guys, I'm back. Um, and, you know, they were very gracious. And, and then we figured out a way to, to manage it because I do have potentially some control issues. Uh, and so yeah. there were ways that we worked it out. <laughs> Comes with the personality, right? Mm -hmm. But it, we worked it out. And so I would say, don't, don't hesitate to invest in somebody to help you get it off the ground, keep it going, keep you honest and focused, help you question your own assumptions. If you do it in a vacuum, it's going to show in the end result in the quality, in the places that you, you know, the creativity you apply to how I can use it or where I promote it. And then you're not going to see the results you want. Mm -hmm. Man, breaking it down to like three key takeaways. I, I don't I feel like you just, <laughs> it's almost like you had this uh, like all planned out. Um, all right. So I would be remiss if I didn't talk about sales and marketing. So my background's a marketer and you obviously are in value selling. So, and, and we're united here through a podcast. So I'm interested in, in your perspective on how um, podcasting can, should, could, would um, help unite sales and marketing because there, there has been a chasm there for years, generations even. Um, and so what, what does that look like from your perspective in, in you know, B2B brands where there's a marketing team that is, if you ask sales, creating content that they don't they can't or, or don't use. And we kind of got into this when, when Zachary and I were on your podcast. Yep. Um, or you have, a, you have a sales team from marketing perspective that isn't using all the stuff that they're creating. So how, where does the podcast or where should the podcast fit into that ongoing battle? Well, I, there's a couple of ways you could look at it, right? In terms of internal alignment, um, if I'm in an organization that has that chasm, that hasn't figured out that they all need to be working from the same playbook and, and a common framework and language, then a podcast, I've seen it actually help by having you take a marketer and a sales professional and you put them as the hosts on the podcast that, that it, the organization is using to drive its own business. But just because they're giving two different perspectives and listening to each other, you start to drive unification and understanding that way. The other way I've seen it done is I've actually seen companies do internal only podcasts. So they'll, they will have the files up and accessible only internally to the organization. They're meant to be uh, a showcase for successes or, um, you know, uh, we call them, I, I want to use the word postmortem, but that upsets some millennials. <laughs> uh, retrospective. There's there, a, there it is. Um, or, or retrospectives on accounts or, or projects or things like that. And I've seen where they've brought, you know, two or three people on or consistently bring on different sales and marketing people to have a conversation to try and understand 
understand each other's perspective because it's interesting. You take two people having a conversation, sales and marketing people sitting across a table and you can feel the tension at times. Mm -hmm. You put mics in front of their faces where you know they're going to be recorded and they actually calm down and have a tendency, maybe not right out of the gate, but 10 or 15 minutes in to actually start to listen to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that becomes a, a critical component of it as well. And then also, once we understand each other's perspective, once and, and I, the beauty, beauty of my perspective is that I spent eight years in marketing, running marketing organizations before I moved into sales. So I get both sides of the mm-hmm. divide. And so if you have tools, but the sales team maybe isn't thinking about how to leverage them, podcast becomes an excellent way to say, hey, we have this tool and here's some ways that, that we've seen other salespeople leverage them or salespeople coming and saying, hey, can I get so-and-so on the podcast? Because I'm trying, I want to get them as a prospect. They're not answering me, but I think if we were to put them on the podcast, it would be a great way for us. So now you've got marketing and sales working together around this this asset, this creation that you have. And it's all about the dialogue. If you don't keep the dialogue open, then you're going to continue to have that chasm and, and, and continue to have what, you know, the results people have seen for years when that chasm exists. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love your suggestion of bringing them on the show together and not saying, okay, well, marketing goes and creates it and shoves it in front of sales because that's, that's the same story that we've been telling for a long yeah. time. But I, I like that suggestion. You know, they both have skin or voice, I guess, so to speak, in the game. So you've been you've been really honest about like some of the challenges and some of the unexpected um, twists and turns. Um, tell me about some of the successes. What um, so for you, you personally as a podcaster, what has hosting a show meant to you? So for me, I mean, personally, it has made me much more comfortable having conversations, not just with the guests, but because of the business I'm in and what I do now, I do do more keynote presentations. I do presentations at events. And actually, the podcast uh, gave me the confidence, quite frankly, to do that. It gave me a voice. It helped me develop my voice. It helped me develop... Um, I don't want to say persona, but but the brand. I mean, it becomes part of... You know, people that engage with me or hire me to help them and their organizations, they're not hiring, you know, the Harley Davidson riding, tattooed, jack drinking guy. They're hiring the they're hiring the the professional who's been in sales and marketing for over 20 years, who understands, who has a clear vision of how to help these organizations. So it's credibility building. Uh, at its best. Um, it's also helped me, as you know, as I said before, be much more authentic and be more comfortable with the fact that, hey, while you may not be hiring that Harley riding, tattooed, jack drinking guy, that is a part of the perspective that I bring that resonates really well with your field. Um, it is the level of authenticity that uh, somebody that comes in in a you know, cookie cutter suit and tie, you're, you're not going to get if they're reading off a script. So, there's the confidence aspect of it. There's the brand portion of it. Um, it's also allowed me to, to expand my own perspective and stay kind of at the cutting edge because of the guests and the topics that we cover. 
And so by hosting, I have all of these perspectives that I can draw from. Everybody else, you know, has gone deep on things from, you know, email marketing to leadership coaching to whatever it is. And I can draw from that, which helps not only my clients, but it also helps my business as well. And so for me, it's, it has become, because, you know, every six months I reevaluate, what are we doing? What are we investing in? Are, you know, are the marketing investments that we're making paying off? Um, and the podcast has never once been considered to be terminated because it provides not only revenue, not only, not only you know, benefit for the company, but it also provides a great opportunity for me to continually evolve, which is necessary, I believe, to be successful in the space I'm in. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's how it is, right? It's not something you can always point to directly, at least not yet, but it's something that you can feel, you can feel the impact. Yeah. And, and it's funny because when we started, so I float, I have two other business partners and uh, they're, um, how do I say, uh, more experienced <laughs> in the world. Uh, and so when I told them, when I came on board and I said, hey, I, you know, this all came together and I said, I think I want to do this podcast. Both of them were like, first, what the hell's a podcast? And, and second, Why? why would you want to do like, I don't get it. Like they literally didn't understand, but to their credit, um, both were like, you know what? Hey, if, if you want to try it, if you believe this will help you build the book, build the business, then, then go for it. And now fast forward two years, um, one of them still hasn't, doesn't, I'm not even sure listens. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just be honest. Which is fine. But one of them has just turned around and said, you know what? I was wrong. I, it's been amazing because now it's not only about generating business or, or providing valuable content to people that maybe we don't have a relationship with. This podcast, the podcast that we do, we, we leverage it with clients. We leverage it as reinforcement to help the, provide specific and targeted value to the clients that we have as we go through the change management process with them. So he's now using it in, in the workshops that he teaches or you know, forwarding specific episodes that, that tackle a current topic to somebody he wants to you know develop a relationship with or keep them informed so it's become a very impressive tool uh, in kind of the arsenal of, of our business and it's converted some people who didn't know what a podcast was to now going you know what this is great content because it's not just about the audio we also do graphics and we also do the blog posts right and it's not a transcript that we actually generate this content so there's a whole great many different touch points and, and the value to be able to do it. Yes, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, it takes a lot of focus. But the output and the impact is 5x easily. Of all the podcast interviews I've done, it's interesting to me. Um, you're the only host who's actually sent me a list of, of like, like here's, here's the structure, right? Now, I do the same thing. I send, as, as you guys know, I send, here's, here's the questions. There's going to be a guide. And I, and I do the exact same thing. You, you guys are the only ones that have ever done that. And I think I actually <laughs> got into a, uh, I don't want to say a LinkedIn war with James Carberry on this. Uh, we got into a LinkedIn discussion. Um, somebody had asked him on LinkedIn how he does it. And he said, oh, we just get people on and we just start talking and having a conversation. And that's great. But I also don't just want people on the podcast that 
are nothing more than doing the circuit. So when we approach and have guests on that have never done a podcast before, that type of prep makes them so much more comfortable. I've been, I have been thanked more times than I can count on having put in the time to provide that information in advance. And that relaxation allows them to bring the best version of themselves, focus on the conversation instead of trying to pregame or, or guess what question I'm going to ask next. Mm-hmm. And so that type of prep, it's, it's more than just, I don't know, in sales, we call it, you know, show up and throw up. You, you don't want to do that. You, you want to put the time in to make sure that the product you're putting out the audio quality, the graphics, the setting up the guests, the the promotion, whatever it is, you, you, it this isn't an easy gig, right? Like it's it's a hell of a lot more work to do it well than I ever expected, mm-hmm. quite honestly. Um, and, and I just think it requires because somebody can vote with their time, they can swipe to a different podcast or or turn on something else. I think it's it's something that deserves uh, deserves kind of the focus and, and our best approach to it. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much to today's guest. And to learn more about them and see Casted in action with clips of today's show and related content, visit casted.us. Thanks so much for listening.